Hey guys, it is Thursday, August 31st, 2017, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Eisledike, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car ideas, car sonnets, car bonnets, car boots and butts. Uh, we're here to discuss automotive culture. And uh, this week, it's kind of a weird week. We're uh, kind of in the tail end of the summer cycle of news and activities with uh, cars as we move into Labor Day, uh, which is just a few short days away. Uh, so today I want to talk about the new Bentley Continental GT, the 2019 Continental GT that just had the coverage taken off of it earlier this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this end of the summer uh, typical thing that happens where there's a bunch of uh, car related activities, whether that be, uh, you know, big car events, car shows, um, just in general. It's, it's usually the celebration of the working man's chariot, the automobile. And then lastly, a car that's been on my mind, the Mazda Protégé, Mazda Speed Protégé. It's the worst title ever for a car, but man, that was a cool car back in the day. So all that, maybe a little bit more, we'll see, coming at you after the bump. So, time for the news, and I want to talk about the 2019 Bentley Continental GT. Now, the previous Bentley Continental, which has been around since the very early 2000s, uh, had a little bit of a weird background. Uh, based on the platform that it shared with the Volkswagen Phaeton, if you remember that, uh, it was a pretty heavy-duty luxury coupe that originally was tended to be a little bit more of a soft, supple performer. And then eventually, by the end of its run, uh, up to right now, got some really hardcore tuning done by Bentley to make it a serious race car uh, in some trim levels. Um, you know, the previous one had two VR6s bolted together to make the W12 with the two twin turbos. Uh, really heavy, like nose-heavy. Um, eventually, they added a twin-turbo V8, which uh, solved some of the nose-heavy issues. Um, but then Bentley tweaked everything and made it a good-handling car. And they're taking everything that they learned on the last car, and they're transferring it to the new one. Um, the new one is based on the Speed 6 concept uh, from a couple years ago. I believe it was 2015. So really short, shortening up the fenders, but making the car look a little bit longer and lower. Um, it's definitely a little bit lighter. Um, it's adapted the new Porsche MSB platform that's going underneath the Panamera and a bunch of other cars. So the car ends up losing 250-ish pounds in some trim levels, I'm sure that when they add a speed version or whatever else they decide to do, um, we're looking at probably 300 or more pounds on the car. Uh, the W12 is back. Uh, it does make a little more power. It's taking the unit that was developed for the Bentayaga SUV. It's cranking up the horsepower to 626 horsepower. So this ever-increasing uh, horsepower fight that's going on between all these luxury brands isn't stopping yet. Um, overall, the car is just absolutely stunning. I mean, it is just one of the most beautiful cars that is going to be on the road in the near future. Um, the press preview vehicles were in this electric blue color that really just pops in all of the photos that was in. Um, I tend to be a little bit more of a purist when it comes to my Bentleys, where I'd want it in green or black, um, but... Man, what a beautiful car. Uh, Bentley really seemed to take a lot of the feedback back from, uh, you know, the automotive press, from people who own these Continentals. Uh, they're making it a car that's still livable, drivable every day, drives like a Volkswagen, you know, uh, probably a Passat, you know. 
It's typically their model where they want to make it easy to drive, comfortable to drive, but still get people who want some sporty character. Some stuff to look into. So the car's got a couple different drive modes. You know, you got your comfort, your sport, dynamic, whatever. And then Bentley has a section called Bentley where it's how the Bentley engineers would want the car to be out on the street. Pretty nice detail. Another cool thing about the interior, um, it uses a ton of natural leather and wood, of course, with the high craftsmanship that you'd expect on a $200,000 plus car. But the infotainment screen is not always an infotainment screen. So you can do a couple of different things with it. Um, it is actually a three-plane uh, rotating bezel. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, one side will be a full infotainment screen. I'm assuming with Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Um, you can flip it again, and there are three um, analog uh, gauge faces on there. I don't remember which ones specifically are, but it gives it a classic Bentley look by having those extra gauges up on top of the dash. Or you can flip it again and have just a smooth black surface, or not necessarily black, depends on what your trim is, but wood, carbon fiber, uh, you know, just piano black trim, you know, whatever you decide to do in your interior spec, uh, that can be there. So it's kind of neat that you can kind of customize the way your interior works, and so you don't always have to have that um, infotainment system up, because eventually those infotainment systems are going to look ridiculous. You're not going to want it to be there. Flip it to the gauges. You don't want the gauges to look there. You know, you're trying to do something upper class. Bring that out. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, but overall, man, what a beautiful car. Um, I'm really excited to see one of these. You know, shame I'll never, ever be able to afford one. Uh, but, uh, whew, what a great car. With Labor Day just around the corner, it is typically the time for car shows, big car events, other car-related things all across the country. And up here in Michigan, uh, we just had three big ones all in a row over the past three weeks. Uh, the first one was the uh, Roadkill uh, Nights event in uh, Detroit. Then we had the Woodward Dream Cruise the week after, also in Detroit. And then lastly, we have the Grand Rapids Metro Cruise here on the west side. Um, there's also a bazillion different car shows that happen over the last couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks in the future as people begin to wrap up their summer activities and kids go back to school, people go back to work full time. Um, you know, it's that time of year. And one thing I noticed as I was around at some of these different events uh, over these past couple of weeks is that... You know, a lot of the cars that you see out there are getting to be pretty old, and the people that are driving them are even older. And the question has to become, where, when, and how does the baton get passed to younger generations? Now, um, that's not to say that younger people aren't interested. It's more a matter of not being able to afford these vehicles. All of us are saddled with student loans. You know, we're being forced into buying a house, all this other crazy stuff that's going on. And we don't have the same kind of monetary advantages that some of the older people had. But a lot of us who like cars are trying to find different ways to do that. And it seems like some of us are finding an outlet in Malay's era American vehicles, so cars from the... Uh, Post-73 to the early mid-80s vehicles, um, just, the, just the terrible shit boxes that came out. Uh, people seem to be buying those and modifying those. Um, some of the uh, mid-late 80s, early 90s uh, F-bodies, Fox bodies, um, some of those different performance cars seem to be starting to pop up. And then a thing that I'm starting to see a lot is just weird, random cars that have just been kept really well have been picked up by young people. And I'm wondering if that's going to start being a major thing. Um, you know, really well-kept, 
you know, I, I saw a kid, mid-late 20s, had a super well-kept 1986 Pontiac Grand Am. Not a special car by any stretch of measurement, but it was cherry. Not a single scratch, not a dent, just all original parts on the inside and outside. It was incredible seeing a car like that. I've seen other people start doing the same thing with Honda Civics, Honda Accords, uh, you know, uh, Toyotas, things like that. And it makes me wonder if that is going to be the future of car culture for people in my age group, technically, quote unquote, millennials is a hard is as hard as it is to say that title. Um, if it's going to be the cars that we grew up in, if we can find them in good shape, maintaining them and driving them into the future. Um, you know, I have to admit that if I could find some quirky early mid 90s Japanese cars, I would definitely consider doing it. Something like the uh, Toyota Camry wagon with the dual wind wipers in the uh, rear window. That would be pretty cool to have one of those in good shape. Um, I've definitely I will openly admit to looking for a V6 Toyota Camry Coupe from the mid-90s, uh, the pre-Solara Camry Coupes. Uh, man, that would be really cool to have, too. But then it also begs the question, since my generation seems to be so focused on Japanese automobiles as the pinnacle of performance and technology and all that stuff from when we were growing up, uh, how much of this car culture, at least in terms of classic cars, quote-unquote, is going to be imported cars from Japan? Um, you know, the proliferation of video games like Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport has really opened up a lot of people to different cars from different parts of the world. And as the 25-year import ban starts to lift on a lot of these cultural icons uh, for the automobile community of people my age, uh, how likely is it going to be that people start bringing over, you know, Nissan Sunny GTRs and, uh, you know, Suzuki Cappuccinos and a bunch of weird little cars um, it's pretty exciting. It's exciting to see the change, and it's not that we don't respect our elders in terms of Camaros and Mustangs and Challengers and Chargers and all that other stuff. It's, uh, it's just a different way to do things. So I'd like to hear what you guys think. What are you guys interested in? What do you guys think would be your classic car that you'd want to keep in the garage? Feel free to drop me a line here on LastFM or hit me up on Twitter at YSSMAN. Thank you. So last up, a car that's been on my mind, and kind of a tie back to the last segment on uh, what kind of cars are going to be cool with kids my age in the not-too-distant future, uh, the Mazda Mazda Speed Protégé. Um, if you weren't keeping up in the uh, early 2000s, uh, the Protégé was, you know, Mazda's baseline entry-level compact car here in the U.S. that did battle with the Civic and the Sentra and all those other ones. Uh, the Protégé was pretty well regarded for being a relatively light, well-built, uh, fun-to-drive car, even though they didn't sell nearly the same amount of numbers as the Civic. Now, granted, the Civic, of course, received a lot of attention at that point in time, as did the Sentra for the Civic SI and the Sentra SER and the SER Spec V. The Protégé, uh, Mazda Speed Protégé, was it Mazda's attempt to make a what do you want to call it, a, uh, the street racer, the uh, import tuner, the fast and furious type cars that were really popular at the time. So Mazda took the 2-liter turbocharged engine from the uh, Mazda Speed Miata, a 170-horsepower, really small turbo on that thing, so to make sure that it kept with its longevity promises uh, on there. Pretty good amount of power, really lightweight car, pretty stiff chassis, 
Um, it came with some pretty interesting mods as well. Had a, a racing beat tuned suspension. It had racing heart wheels. It had a special body kit that was developed by Mazda that I believe, if I remember correctly, actually did produce some downforce, at least with the rear spoiler. And all in all, it was a pretty cheap car at the time. Now, they only produced the car for a year and a half, depending on how you want to calculate it, uh, in 2003 and then the 2003 and a half year model um, before the Mazda 3 came out at the very end of that, um, which eventually replaced it. The Mazda Speed Protégé um, just was a really cool, interesting little car that you don't really see too often. Um, you know, I've seen a couple around here uh, in Michigan that are either beat to shit, rusted apart, or they're in mint condition being driven and handled really well. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those cars that I hope eventually becomes a future classic just because so few were produced. Um, it was a really interesting choice by Mazda to kind of tinker with the turbocharging idea. You know, they didn't exactly follow through on it uh, as the time went on. Um, obviously, they moved towards the Skyactiv uh, high compression engines uh, later on in the Mazda 3 cycle, which eventually got adapted into the current thing, which is eventually switching to the Skyactiv X powertrain with the diesel type ignition. Um, but all in all, Mazda was kind of ahead of the curve doing the small turbocharger on a decently sized engine and doing something that wasn't too bad on fuel economy, but still gave you a little bit better performance. Um, you know, and they really kept to making this car relatively affordable. Um, if memory serves, it was right around $20,000 at the time, which wasn't outrageous compared to like a Volkswagen uh, Jetta GLI, which was a couple grand more. Um, you had the uh, Spec V Sentra, which was a little too unhinged, I think, by comparison to the Mazda Speed Protégé. Uh, you had cars like the Cobalt SS, which I think kind of straddle the line similar to the Mazda Speed Protégé, um, but definitely packed a little bit more of a punch. Had an extra 30 horsepower on top of the Mazda not too long after that. Uh, you know, overall, it's a car that I think time has kind of forgotten, and it, and it really stinks because it was a car that I still think looks fantastic. It's a very clean, simple shape. Uh, the interior wasn't too much to really you know, draw you in necessarily, but it wasn't enough to push you away. Uh, you know, those racing heart wheels still look really good. The body kit still looks good. They had that really cool orange color that they did for a short amount of time. Um, you know, yeah, God, it was just a cool car. And so, you know, you can find them used once in a while. I haven't really looked recently to see how much they were, but I know I did see one not too long ago for well under 10 grand. And it was a pretty well-kept version of it. And I have to wonder if the floor is going to start rising for those again. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Mazda Speed Protégé. Um, I don't know. Tell me if you guys have seen any around you lately. Um, I, I'd be interested to see if that car is holding up all across the country or if it's just in small pockets or anything like that. Um, but yeah, Mazda Speed. Hopefully we get a new one soon of the uh, Mazda 3. We'll see. Keep our fingers crossed. All right, guys, that just about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eiseldyke, and you can find me at YSSMAN on Twitter. And I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate you guys listening here on uh, Anchor FM, as well as listening on your selected uh, podcasting platform, whether Google Play, uh, iTunes Podcasts, whatever works for you. Um, you know, if you ever get a chance, make sure you uh, share, subscribe, like, blah, 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 whatever those kids say on the internet. Um, you know, I love doing this kind of stuff. 
and uh, it's been a lot of fun doing it. I also hope that you guys have a safe and fun Labor Day. I know it's a pretty short day for some people um, because Labor Day doesn't really mean the same thing that it used to mean. Um, you know, keep in mind about the work that the UAW and the unions did uh, for at least in the automo automobile industry to make Labor Day a thing. I hope you take advantage of it. Anyway, guys, uh, have a good rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Labor Day. I'll see you guys next week. We'll see if I have some extra time. I need to do a little more frequent car news stories because I feel like we're going to start dipping into fall. It's going to be car show season. We're going to have stuff to talk about seemingly every day for some weeks uh, as we move closer to the Paris, Frankfurt, Detroit, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, all these different auto shows. They're coming up soon. So until next, guys, or next time, guys, I hope you have a great weekend. Listen to him next time. I'll see you next time. However this works. I need to sign off. Goodbye.